0: Constructing Dogma is a video bonus series hosted exclusively on Patreon. Patrons of The Deeper Pulse have unlimited access to these weekly extras in exchange for their support of the podcast. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash The Deeper Pulse. Hi, y'all. I'm still on a production break, so I've decided to roll out another preview of a bonus episode that's available over on Patreon. In Deconstructing Dogma episode number 23, Tracy Stamper and I do a deep dive into the psychological coping mechanism known as dissociation. It's a topic that fascinates us both, given our lived experience of it. And so we spend about 80 minutes or so trading stories and learning from experts in order to better understand and ground our family histories and our New Age culty experiences. Here is just a sample.
1: So today, the subject is dissociation. And I don't consider myself an expert on the topic. Are you an expert on the topic? Actually, I am. You're gonna say that. Perhaps not so much from an academic perspective, and not to toot my own horn, but I have a shitload of experience when it comes to this. I know the ins and outs. I got this topic. Okay. Well, if it if that's how we're gonna define it, then I'm also an expert. (laughs) So two experts on dissociation here today to share <laughs> our understanding based on personal experience primarily. And then we're actually going to pull from some of uh, literature around like this. actual experts, actual experts. So, so it's sort of like, what's the language around this thing that we're experts on? And then we're reaching out to the actual experts for that language. So we're going to be playing with that a little bit today <laughs> and really picking apart how this dissociation you know we might talk a little bit about our backgrounds but like how it shows up in these wellness cultures specifically and how it's reframed and seen through a different lens and and sort of realizations around there's what we thought was happening and there's what was happening and we're kind of deconstructing that today so that's kind of where we want to go dissociation is really sort of that sensation of of being there, but not really being there. It's like a detachment. Some people describe it as an out-of-body kind of experience, a floating sensation, a detachment from reality, a numbing. It can kind of feel like a numbing. And it generally develops in response to trauma or extreme stress. It's sort of like, you know, you've got fight, flight, fawn, and freeze. It's sort of like a freeze response where we just kind of go offline in order to stay present physically in a situation. So, Tracy, tell us about your relationship with dissociation prior to, you know, all of this around wellness and the org and all that stuff. Like what's your understanding now that you know how to describe your early in life experiences? What do you think was going on for you as it relates to this? Well, interestingly, when you were talking about fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, and you were saying that it's a freeze response, it occurred to me that it also serves as a flight response. Yeah. In a weird way, right? A hundred percent. I've had that thought before too. Yeah, say more on that. Yeah. Because when I dissociate, the reason that I'm dissociating is and and I don't want to make it sound like this is something I intend to do all the time and I choose to do so. When I have dissociated, it has been in cases where I can't process the trauma or the stress coming my way, so I just check out, mentally check out. So in that way it feels very much like fleeing. I'm running away from the stimulus. I'm running away from the threat. Running without running. I'm running without running. Mm -hmm. So from the outside, it wouldn't look like I'm, because I am frozen, but the mechanism serves to take me away. It's a way of remaining compliant while also fleeing. Damn. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, that's at least... As I'm hearing you say and relating my own experience to it, like that's how it is for me. And when I say compliant, I don't mean like consciously, I need to comply. But like I can stay present in this interaction with the appearance of, I haven't gone anywhere. Everything's cool, man. I'm good. Mm -hmm. But I've actually vacated the premises. (laughs) (laughs) Candace has left the building. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I guess I I see dissociation as it's not really a clinical problem unless it's causing dysfunction in a way. Um, and I've had many seasons of life where that was the case. And when I was working at the org, I dissociated a lot, which is why it's good I have those journals because mm-hmm. I wouldn't remember a lot of what happened if I didn't have them because I was, I mean, my most visceral memories of being in meetings, like executive team meetings with Marissa, Raul and Seth is that floaty sensation is coming back and leaving is, you know, holding off a panic attack. And this is the thing I I really want to emphasize about how functional it can look Mm. because Mm. I'm a, I'm a highly functioning person, whether I came in that way or I was conditioned to be, I don't know, but that's how I roll. And so I was in an executive team meeting and I could say all the things mouth moving, wheels turning, questions being answered, but I am not there. The program's running and I'm like hovering at the same time. That's not always how it happens. But in those meetings, it would happen a lot because I would get activated and there would be like this sort of intense energy, like you need to give us the right answer right now. So it's not a total freeze response. You're right. Because I'm really functioning while I'm in it most of the time. Wow. But I'm disconnected from myself. That's really what it is. Like my needs, my body, my emotions cannot be bothered with all that. Mm-hmm. must deliver what needs to be delivered in this moment. Like that was my love language for most of my life was my ability to do that sadly, but not sadly, because it was what I needed to do
0: right where right
1: I am, right? It's like I wasn't broken. <sighs> I was adapting to unhealthy conditions. And then it became a habit, and now I have to unravel it as a habit. And that's where I am as well. Yeah. But it's so interesting because I, in my more extreme <laughs> memories of dissociating, which mm-hmm. seems like an oxymoron, but I don't recall being in that gauzy space and being able to verbally process. Mm-hmm. I I have, I don't know. Right. Um, But it's that spectrum you talked about. Exactly. Because if I get to a certain point on it, then I can't. But there's like this sort of functional end of the spectrum. And then there's like shut down, complete shut down end of the spectrum. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to read from Janja Lawich's book. About this topic and as it relates to cult dynamics and being in this kind of environment, because I think it's gonna help us dig into this nuance a little bit. We'll go right here. Dissociation is an abnormal state set apart from ordinary consciousness, wherein the normal connections of memory, knowledge, and emotion are severed. In traumatic or overwhelming situations, dissociating may be life saving. For example, numbing may enable the survivor to get through horrific events while still functioning. There's that functional piece, right? Mm -hmm. The downside of this is that long afterward, the person may experience only partial memory for traumatic events, cognitive distortions about the meaning of the event, and nightmares or other symptoms of PTSD. The renowned psychiatrist Robert Lifton, so Robert J. Lifton is the one that we've talked about a lot. He has the eight criteria, uh, uh, thought reform. He's kind of a scholar in the world of, quote, recovery. Robert J. Lifton referred to dissociation as psychotic numbing, or sequestering of a portion of the self. Sequestering of a portion of the self. Lifton noted that this adaptive mental phenomenon helps to explain, for example, how Nazi doctors were able to suppress their feelings about the participation in unethical experiments, murder, and genocide. Dissociation is a kind of fragmentation of the self. Sometimes referred to as splitting, and is considered an altered state of consciousness. Such altered states may come about through purposeful trance induction, such as hypnosis, or it may be a response to trauma. Dissociation can also be brought about through practices such as chanting or meditating, which is something we're going to talk about. Through a combination of long hours of lecture, criticism (laughs) sessions, through fatigue or fear. Shit. (laughs) Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. The word dissociation frequently appears in this book because inducing dissociation is common among people in cult situations. Involuntary dissociation is also frequently experienced post-cult as an after effect. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Involuntary dissociation is also experienced after you leave as an after effect. Like you kind of I go in have- and out. Did you just I do it? Have- <laughs> I'm back online. Gotcha. Right, okay. <laughs> and thank you for the demonstration. Oh my god! Exit- a. <laughs> I think the real tricky part is that I feel like I got to a point in my meditative practices where I was really equating dissociation with a meditative state. thought like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> Not that I was good at meditation. It was difficult for me because, you know, the noise of the mind. But then I was like, oh, I can just hover. Oh, I can just float. I can just distance myself. And then I could get rewarded for being able to sit there in this dissociated state for a long period of time. But it was like actually lifting me up and out and away from and I wasn't so much witnessing and being mindful of there's a difference between being mindful witnessing what you're actually being with Mm -hmm. and like floating above it and pretending that it's not even who you are and I think that that happened a lot for me and that when I was in that place then I was really suggestible to whatever the word salad I could make it make sense from up here because it didn't need to make sense. It was just like a way for me to be like, oh, now I'll connect to universal light. And it was like an escape. You're floating. So everything's a little floaty and surreal and and Which makes it even more appealing, the fact that it doesn't make sense in a way because it's not of this world. Of course it doesn't make sense. It's not of this world. And maybe there's something to that, but also... (laughs) Maybe I'm just telling myself what I want to tell myself so I can stay in this dissociated state. And, and, and this, like, I'm not going to listen to the news. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm and to disconnect from everything that is of this world. I'm going to stay in this altered state mm-hmm. of transcendence. I'm not so sure it's all that different from just being dissociated. Ooh, this I mean, maybe lonely. it is for some people, but for me, I think it- why is that different? Shit and this is this is precisely like I you know that I've been playing with this very thing for months to the point where finally I'm like, Candace we've got to dive into dissociation? It's just amazing to me how much of my own experience you just shared. My question in particular has been, is it possible to dissociate into sensation, which seems like kind of a nebulous question. So to make it more tangible and real, in the org, what we spent so much time practicing was being connected to sensation. I remember Raul saying that he was he had reached a point where he was connected to sensation 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, what I believe happened with me is that I came to the org with a history of dissociation, spent time through the practice learning to bring my awareness into my sensation. We were all intentionally honing the skill of returning to interoception again and again and again. Anytime we notice we were gone, we pull ourselves back in there. Right. So that was something that was spoken about. That was something that we had exercises for. And at the same time, given culty dynamics, there was a lot of strife and anxiety and <laughs> ickiness <laughs> mm-hmm. that we were experiencing because of interpersonal dynamics. So I believe if it's possible to do this, I believe that I have done it, where I notice impending anxiety and I consciously have made an effort when I notice anxiety to go into sensation. Mm -hmm. Okay? Sure. Lately, I've found myself wondering if what I'm doing is simply dissociating but just doing it deeper into the body instead of going out into that, the gauzy ethers and then the haziness. Maybe I shut out what's just too much to pay attention to and I go deeper in. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's serving the same function of removing me from what is anxiety provoking. It's just, I've gone in a different direction. So it's like the sequestering of self. I think that can look different ways. I think you're right. I think it can be like, I'm going to sequester it by putting it offline, like away from this dysfunction or by going so far in that no one can find me. I can't be touched. And, and you're right. I love this insight of yours, Tracy, because it's such a reminder that there's no tool that keeps us away from our humanity and our adaptations it's real easy to think like, well, if you just get in the body and you just stay in tune to your situation, then, then you won't have to worry about trauma responses. It's like, well, no, because anything can be in service to what we need in order to survive and to thrive in a given situation, whatever it is we need to do.
0: I just want to take a moment to note that the aforementioned excerpts are from Janja Lalic's groundbreaking book, Take Back Your Life. Recovering from Cults and Abusive Relationships. If you missed my interview with Yanya, check out episode number 38. In this next clip, I read the words of another highly respected educator, Alexandra Stein, and her book, Terror, Love, and Brainwashing. You can find links to both of these resources in the show notes.
1: So we're like having this reaction in the body. And at the same time, this other mechanism is like, <sharp inhale> <sharp inhale> you know, like, that's what it always felt for me. It was just like, this, like stop, 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 don't let anybody see, don't let anybody see, don't let me see. i going to notice, i going to notice, i going to notice. You know that? Like, <laughs> uh, Jesus, I know that. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I hadn't heard it described that way, but that's spot on for me. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine the toll on the body that this twofold unresolved process must take. Eventually, dissociation, or freezing and giving up the failed effort to escape, comes to dominate, along with giving up the struggle to fight against the group and the fear it has generated. The dissociated follower comes to accept the group as the safe haven, and Mm -hmm. thus forms a trauma bond. This moment of submission, of giving up the struggle, can be experienced as a moment of great relief and even happiness, or a spiritual awakening. So she gives another example of this, and she talks about a woman who her cult leader has this great authority over her and is basically challenging her right to mothering her child that she should step away and let the community take over mothering her child. And she has this extreme fight inside of her, of course, and she's in that conflict, and she writes, This mother. I remember at one point saying, I'll do it. And everything got quiet around me and the noise in my head stopped. And I thought, God, maybe he is right. Inside of me, I thought this quiet or sense of rightness must mean that I'm doing the right thing. And then Alexander writes, the noise in Clara's head is the hyper arousal of struggling against the leader's demand that she sees caring for her child as a mother. The quiet that follows is the submission, the freezing. Neither fight or flight can work, and her ability to think about what is right has been turned upside down. Giving in, dissociating, and ceasing to think is experienced as a relief. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot there. That's... This is the thing why I was saying in the episode with Monica and I was like, I really have this issue around like the body is always right. Always listen to the body because what Alexandra just described, and this is why I say what's healthy isn't always what feels good. So like there's this part of us that's like, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, no way, no way, no way. And then if we're taught that, When we don't have that and we have submitted and just given in, oh, there's the pleasure again. Oh, there's the feel good sensation. This must be right. When there's a part of us that's fighting for a reason, that's fighting to be heard, that's saying, no, not this, that's saying, pay attention to me, something isn't right here. And because we're taught to turn away from that and it just has to feel good all the time, like, well, maybe. Maybe that's just a really reductive, simplistic way of understanding what our... I I do believe our bodies have wisdom, but that we often think of like pleasures, the real wisdom. And when I feel discomfort, that's not really my body's wisdom. That means I'm just out of sorts somehow. And I need to get... It's almost like we treat our bodies the way the patriarchy treats our lives. Like, I just need to get my body to comply and then... That means that I have a healthy body. Is this making any sense? It is. There's so much here. Do you want to know the frontier that I'm thinking of? Yeah, of course. We might want to just shut it down and retreat because this opens up a whole new thing is what role does dissociation play in cognitive dissonance? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a really good question. Cognitive dissonance is that tension when we are confronted with information or something that challenges what we know and believe, what we think we know and what we believe. And we are faced with a choice to either change that belief or to turn away from that information, basically. So are we going to incorporate that and change what we believe? Or are we going to turn away, double down? There's lots of ways it can look. I mean, like, Fight I'm against. I look. Fight against all the things that we do in order to not have our beliefs challenged. And it cognitive distance explains why people double down when they're confronted with information that you would think would help them to see. And you, like we'll share with someone and they seem to understand the new information. But because they aren't ready to incorporate that new information into their reality, then they sort of like a rubber band that snaps back into Mm -hmm. shape. They go back to what they know and we're like, what even happened? Did they even hear what I said? Right. Like, so the question you're asking, what role does dissociation play in that process? Right. Okay. So in depersonalization, the self seems unreal. In derealization, the world seems unreal. Surroundings may seem lifeless, foggy, distant, or flat. Derealized people may see vibrant auras around inanimate objects. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. That's an explanation. Um, occasionally these mm-hmm. two can happen at once. So, so this like this self isn't real, the world out there isn't real. And I feel like this sort of connects to what we're talking about a little bit because it's like that information that somebody gave me isn't real it sort of explains what we've got going on with conspirituality and and just conspiracy theories in general and facts coming in and people being like facts (laughs) yeah (laughs) or like people getting pulled into these silos of information misinformation and then disregarding what's out here and saying that's not real they're sort of saying like that's not real what you're telling me is not real Like, that's a form of dissociation. And wow. so, yeah, if there's, if there's new information coming in and we experience cognitive dissonance, then if we dissociate in that derealized sense, then yes, absolutely. I think to answer your question, it would be at play in a big way. Wow. we will
0: As I said, this is just a sample of a very rich deep dive into this topic, and if you'd like to access the entire conversation, dozens of other Deconstructing Dogma bonus episodes, and a peek behind the scenes of podcast production, check out patreon.com forward slash the deeper pulse.